Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Welcome back, ladies and gents. So it's probably like a couple of ladies, isn't there? I think um, mostly gents. That's not a sexist comment at all. Oh god, it's it's all gone wrong straight away. Um, save me, Raj. I need your help already, mate. New season. That's a great start, that. I know, isn't it? I know. A mess. Complete and utter mess. How? That's what people have come to expect, I think. I think so. Um, but anyway, how are you doing, mate? How's the summer I'm been? Not, not too bad. It's been all right. Um, been well, away for a little bit. World Cup uh, was all right, wasn't it? World Cup was fun. Yeah, we talked about that a couple of times. Um, <laughs> yeah, there was no, like no real strategy to that at all. Was so we just kind of like let's do a World Cup pod? All right then. Can you make it tonight? Nah. Can you do it tonight? Can't really be asked. Cool. Let's just record something one random day. Great. Yeah. Stick it out. That was, was kind just, of our approach. Yeah. Right? It was just that during the day. Like, I think we said on the. On the shows themselves, it would have just been conversations we'd have had privately, and the only difference being we recorded them and released them into the public, which was uh, nice of us. Bit, bit less pillow talk in these, but you know. Um, but anyway, there's a. It's a new year, new season of Rule the Roosts, um, new season of the football season. So, what better place to start than with television? Um, leftovers. You've been watching it, mate. I have indeed, yeah. I'm I'm massively on the fence about it, pal. How how are you feeling? The thing is, um, I'm I, I'm the same. I understand what it's trying to do. I I'm going with it, but um, at the same time, there's a part of me that thinks perhaps it could have been done better. Um, like from things I've read about it, apparently it's been quite faithful to like the source material and whatnot, and it's and it's gone along that sort of that ebb and flow of what's gone on in a book. Um, so you can't fault it there, but you think if you're going to be transferring that onto screen, you should have perhaps done something more with it because the the pace of it and the way that the sort of the information kind of trickles down piece by piece. Like each episode, there's only like one little thing that's of any value that's actually occurred. Well, this is it. I mean, I think one of the one of the sort of warning flags to me is that it's written by well, co-written by, adapted for television by Damon Lindelof, who was like one of the main guys behind Lost. And it seems to follow that that formula of let's just have like an interesting little start, hook the audience, have like thirty five minutes of fairly kind of Times New Roman viewing, and then just end again on another little hook. 
um, just enough to keep you wanting to watch the next episode. Um, it's, a, it's a very clever way of writing, um, but it does make me worry that you're going to be kept watching all along and then just ultimately be disappointed as, as we were with Lost. Um, because from what I've read about the book, um, as what you say um, is true, um, the book ends with a, a certain air of ambiguity to it, um, which I think for, for the on-a-plate generation that we are in places, probably won't, won't, won't please many people who usually want answers, as it were. So, you know, we'll see. I quite like some of the acting in it, though. It's quite good. Yeah, I quite fancy the data. Do you, do you think the... Uh, I, I never remember people's name. Garvey, isn't it? He's the main the police yeah. chief. Do you think Garvey's going to have relations with his daughter's friend? Um, I'd hope not. There are, there are indications um, that that would uh, occur, but uh, I'd hope not. And... Uh, do you uh, what, what's what's all this dog's malarkey? What do you, what do you think that's about? <laughs> I haven't a clue. Uh, it baffles me. People uh, personally, I'm not too bothered because I, I, I'm a cat person, so they can go around shooting dogs all they want. But um, I feel like I, I hate the smoking people as well. Whatever they are, I can't remember the, yeah, the, the cult of forgotten <laughs> silent twats. Whatever they are, catchy name. <laughs> um, no, they're called uh, um, the guilty remnant. That's, that's what, what they're called. Yeah, they they're freaky as well. I can't stand them. They really irritate me. But and then this, I took this, I took odd delight in that stoning scene, which probably <laughs> which probably isn't right. But you know what can I say? There's the that sidetrack of the black Englishman going around hunging people and um, oh, Johnson from Peep Show. Yeah, <laughs> I, re- I really want someone to splice together a scene of like you know a really intense leftover scene that he's involved in, cutting over to like a Johnson scene of him talking about you know his sausage or whatever that that you know the, the scene when someone nails a sausage to his office door. Yeah, that's very odd. Him just going around hugging people and impregnating women yeah. from east from the east. It's very strange. Anyway, we're, we're alienating people that don't like television, which you know, <laughs> is probably for the best anyway. Um, but if you've made it this far, you, you're one of the hardcore few. Exactly. Um, you, you went away, didn't you, Ben Kasim? I don't, I don't really care about your, your exploits out there. All I want to know is, did you get any good kebabs? And that's not a euphemism. I genuinely did. We found a kebab stall in the um, festival. Um, it wasn't like it didn't do it in a naan. It did it in this like. A, have you ever had a soft shell taco? Is that one of them? <laughs> but yeah. um, it were yeah, all sauce on it, all salad, everything. Bunged it in, done a chicken. That, that sounds like the most in. American insults, like jabroni. You know, like you're a soft shell taco. Well, that's what it was. I've, I've never. It was one. One of those things that I've never really had, but we've got these new posh places popping up around Leeds where they sell this type of fodder now that I've uh, experienced. Street food, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's it. We've got this new Trinity Centre in Leeds. Um, that's top floor of it. It's called Trinity Kitchen. Um, and essentially, they, they kind of make it want to look like a urban, like oh, not a favela, but like a little outdoor place. But it's inside, so they've got like food stalls set up inside. <laughs> Looks like a favela. You can have like the Lennons <laughs> marshalling it, and uh, all sorts yeah, you of eat yeah. you eat your soft shell taco huddled in a corner, trying not to be shot. Um, 
but yeah, it's um, it's it's quite. It was a nice kebab. I had, I think, I had two of those on different days, um, which was nice. They did this weird thing where you had to buy a ticket before you bought a beer. So like, you had to buy beer tokens. Um, so like on the last day, sounds, sounds positively like dystopian. Off. Yeah, but you like you look on you in your wallet on the last day, and like you've got all these tickets left over. Not I mean, lads just looked at each other, just like I'm gonna have to make it through these today. But there's like a good. Fun, minute walk from where we were staying uh, to the actual site of the festival which was actually quite a nice walk um, but it was just like how, how are we going to make it back if we go through all these but um, we soldiered on through it was a fantastic festival actually really enjoyed it um, I think we looked out from where we were staying and whatnot, and then we went and uh, pretended we were <laughs> we weren't from where we were and we weren't who we were on a yacht in Barcelona for two nights. Were you, were you like the new One Direction? No, it was. We we literally walked on, and it was. We felt like we'd won lottery or something because we all kind of peered in, and we all thought, "Oh, pictures look nice and whatnot." Um, it's this is going to be quite fun, um, and then we actually got there, and it's this yacht that we, we looked inside a brochure when we were on the yacht um, and it must have been over 10 to 20 million pounds with a boat this thing that we'd all not paid that much to actually stay on for a couple of nights like jacuzzi on the top level barbecue and own kitchen and the rooms were really nice and stuff like that and we just kind of we were amazed we, we spent as much time on that thing as possible just bought in beers and just sat on the top of the deck and just kind of looked at each other in, in, in amazement for a couple of days, but it was a, a nice way to wind down before we came home. Lads, 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 lads. Anyway, let's let's talk about some football, because we should. Um, <laughs> what have you uh, what have you made of the summer so far, mate? Are you uh, we'll start with signings. Um, are you disappointed by the apparent lack of action? Um, well, we signed Ben Davies to start with, which was uh, who would have thought that's a that was a nice nice start to the business. Um, I, I think we've never spoken think, about him before. I think we can uh, we can be thanked for that or blamed when he turns out to be <laughs> shit in a few months' time. Yeah, well, that's that's my only worry. Um, I mean, I've, uh, there's only been a couple of people who've been quite tentative about the the way in which he started because he's not. I mean, he's not one of those. He didn't, uh, I think I said exactly the same when I when I said we should sign him. He's not Roberto Carlos reincarnate. He's not going to be bombing up the wing in like a, a Kyle Walker fashion. He's he's quite reserved. He's very steady in what he does. Um, I think it needs to be taken. In to account he's 21 years old this is the first major move of his career so he's going to be feeling um, a little bit tentative in what he does he's not you can tell from his Spurs TV um, like interviews I mean even though they're conducted at a level that the most simple of minds could answer the questions to uh, which is probably helpful for some of the players we've got he, he seems quite shy on there he's quite softly spoken he's quite reserved and um, I think it's going to take him a little while just to you know, feel confident within himself to impress himself with on the game. Hopefully, it shouldn't take too much longer. But um, he, he I, th- I think that's a, a sound way to start the business. I think, especially I, the way in which we got him. I think the other way you got to look at it as well is it's, it's he's he's not going to be a world beater. But at the moment, we're you know we're not in the Champions League and we're kind of we're in a halfway we're in a bit of a, a limbo at the moment. I feel as a club um, where we are going to struggle to attract really kind of 
out-and-out world-class players. And I think we kind of need to realise that a bit. I think that, that kind of expectation of the sort of players we could sign even just two or three seasons ago has to be dropped slightly at the moment because I think any players are going to look at a club like Spurs and say, you know, they're in London, they're still a big club, but look at the rest of the Premier League at the moment, look at the kind of the way money's being splashed about, the type of wages are getting splashed about. There are now easily five teams that are stronger than us, um, if not six. Um, so I think the way that football is working at the moment is, you know, it, it, it's not kind of like a gradual thing of like, you know, you get kind of five to six, seven years in a place where people perceive you a certain way. It only takes a couple of seasons of not really playing at an optimum level and you're already kind of relegated out of that elite elite level, which, you know, is probably where we're at. So a player like Ben Davis, at the value we got him for, is a fantastic we him. signing. Swapped him straight up for Sigurdsson. Was, was, that, was that how it played yeah. out? Well, yeah, that's so even better. A player that we didn't need in a, a congested area of our squad, we got rid of and we managed to buy in a young prospect. And I think... Young prospect is the key. I mean, I completely agree with what you just said about the level of player we should be signing. I think it's quite, um, it buys into the philosophy that Pochettino has with young players and the way in which he develops them um, is the strength of what we're going to have to do in the transfer market now because we can't buy the ready-made superstar. We can't go out and, and spend £40 million on somebody who's dropping down from a Champions League team because they're not going to want to come into the Europa League and they're not going to want the scrap that we're going to have to do to try and get back into that sort of competition. We have to now buy the younger player. We have to identify him. It's a slightly harder job. We have to identify the player that could possibly come that sort of level of player in, in two to three seasons' time and take a gamble on them at a slightly reduced rate. So, I mean, if you look at Dier and and the other players we've been linked with, Yedlin and, and stuff like that, these are young, early 20s lads that we're hoping will become as good as players at other clubs who they've managed to buy in their mid-20s, 10 to 15 million more pounds than we're ever going to be likely to spend. Do you uh, just as a as a gut call? Do you see uh, mus- Mustachio? Um, do you see that 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 being pulled off in the end? Um, uh, it's it's one of those where Villarreal seem to be dancing a more money dance, and we we seem to be doing the typical Tottenham thing of of trying to take our time about it and not try and spend too much money. Well, just there are those... also these murky kind of third party ownership. Exactly, it's well. um, it's very similar to the Moutinho one where yeah. the way in which you satisfy the third parties um, is you just splash more money at them essentially because what happens is the transfer fee that you get reported to 20 million for, for this lad um, I think it's, is it Musashio you say his name? I can't, I'm, I'm not even going to attempt to say it in, in my accent um, he, yeah, if it's 20 million we pay him, the club will get what, 10, 15 at most and then his, his, the people who own his sporting rights will get a big chunk of that and then previous clubs will have some stake in him, so I think it's, it's River that in, in Argentina that have sold him on, they'll have some sort of dealings with him there, so people just kind of get their money taken away from them and it ends up being the um, the buying club's prerogative to stump up an extra five ten million and and kind of pay everyone off equally, and that's not something that we're going to be interested in doing. So, I think if we are 
very interested in him and as, as we obviously are and we want to do his best to bring him to the club we're going to have to kind of play the play the long game and hope that Villarreal are going to just kind of have and bear the amount of money that they're going to earn on him do you, do you know much about him as a player have you ever because I, I you know I'll happily profess to the fact that I've never seen him play I'd never even heard of him before we were linked to him I've seen him um, in a handful of games in the Liga um, he's never been a player that I've I've kind of concentrated uh, too heavily on and, and watched too too intently because Villarreal's not one of those sides that I'm, I'm I enjoy watching too much. They're quite a, quite a bitty side to watch um, <laughs> compared to the other ones in La Liga. Um, they're not not the most fun, um, in other words. But he's he's competent. He's um, very good for his age. Um, he's he's gone up and, and won a few headers in the opposite box, which is what will get people's uh, juices flowing on the YouTube reels. Um, I think his strongest point is reading the game because he's not he's from from what I've seen he's not the quickest of lads. So he's he has to have that extra yard in his head to see where the play is going before he goes and cuts it out. Um, He's, you know, all the typical things of playing abroad. He's, he's good on the ball. He's happy to put his foot on it and pass it about. So, see, this this sometimes worries me about centre backs because I, I do I do definitely see that argument. You know, Per Mertesacker, um, for all his and I hate to give them any sort of credit, but for all his faults, last year demonstrated that, you know, if you do have that ability to read the game and uh, see, you know, the kind of runs that players are going to be making, you can be a very effective defender and still operate at that top level without kind of pace and you know it's seldom that you do have any centre-backs that have pace that will match the uh, the top strikers and attacking players um, but at the same time you, you do also see with players like Mertesacker and Dawson so on and so forth you can't really liken Dawson to Mertesacker but you know what I'm saying sometimes it just it does just come down to an out and out foot race and if they don't have that level of pace there, as you did see with uh, the BFG, um, they still do leak goals. So, I mean, that that does always concern me, I think, when you do have a player that's a centre-back that is noted as being slow, um, if not, you know, fast. I wouldn't call him slow. He's not slow, he's just not Usain Bolt. So he's not Dawson level of moonwalking through treacle. He's just not, you know... <laughs> rapid um my one concern with that transfer is the the players that have been touted to be going to allow him to come in and uh, namely Kirikesh. um if that's if, if it's Kirikesh that's going to go to make way for him i'd be more tempted to keep Kirikesh because um it's obviously dawson and kabul are the the, are the first names to to want to that, that we'd want to sell yeah and their willingness to go is apparently um, a different matter um, I think Michael Dawson knows he's onto a good thing here, um, and he's he's asking for quite a long contract to go anywhere else. I believe I think it's about four years he wants somebody to sign him up for, which nobody seems willing to do um, because he'd, he'd walk into several Premier League sides. Let's, let's not kid ourselves. He'd a steady head like that. He'd, he'd probably be given the armband within a few weeks at somewhere like Hull, and they'd um, they'd quite happily have him. But he's he's just not. He just doesn't seem to be too willing to go. I think he's got quite a quite a nice lifestyle, quite a settled family here, and he, he just seems happy to kind of stick around. Um, Kabul's a, a different entity. 
I think um, some some clubs on the continent. I think Napoli had had a look at him or something, but they've been they've been linked to just about every player going. I think now Italy's version of us in that they get linked to absolutely everyone. Um, but he's you know he's he's probably the one after Dawson that would go just because he's he's slightly older than the other ones. I think he's only a year older than Vertonghen and in fairness. Um, but he he does have that injury record which stands against him, and you never really know when he's gonna. Fall bit, into a crumble. Bit strange that um, Vertonghen still hasn't signed his new contract. Um, I, there was a lot of talk about him re-signing for a five-year deal with us, but still hasn't come to come to light, has it? Not as yet. No, I think it might be one of those uh, a case where in three weeks' time, once the window has closed and he knows that uh, nobody's going to be coming in for him anymore, then he'll sign it. Um, he might just be playing the waiting game for now. Uh, Vermaelen's just gone to Barcelona so that's one door that's closed on him I don't think anybody else is really going to be too desperate to buy him um, I think I heard some whispers about a possible move to Manchester United but um, Louis van Gaal will want to use him further left and we know how much he, uh, he enjoys playing that role um, so I don't think that's that's one that we're going to explore I don't think Manchester United are, are still particularly enamoured in doing business with us either um, so that's <laughs> Another reason why he, he probably won't go there, um, but I think he'll stay. Um, it'd be nice to get him signed on a contract. I mean, it, I think it says a lot about the difference in character between Vertonghen and Loris that Loris had signed his before any sort of speculation could be built up too much, and he'd, he'd uh, said all the right things about the club and about the new management and the ambition of the place, um, which is always nice to hear, even if you know it's rehearsed and uh, prepped by PR. It's always you know, as, a, as fickle football fans as we are, it's always the thing we're looking out to here. And um, you know, Laurie should probably be my my captain going into next season if I was given the given the choice. Um, do you, I mean? Do you, I love I love Hugo Lloris. Um I think he is our best player. <laughs> but do you, does it really wash with you when people are saying things like you know it's bad that your best player or your captain is your goalkeeper it just seems a bit of a of an outdated mentality that for me no not not so whatsoever at all no um i i'm fairly happy that our best player is our goalkeeper because it's one of those one of those positions in which you have to get right there's no good side in the world that, that manages to paper over cracks of having a bad goalkeeper um we it's it's essentially the foundation of, of what the squad is built upon is is the goalkeeper and then his understanding with the defence in front of him and um, it's the reason why we saw last season whenever Hugo wasn't playing and, and Friedel came in why we struggled so much because Brad Friedel isn't a, a terrible goalkeeper he just isn't anywhere near the same level as Hugo Lloris he's I mean, just an old man isn't he as well that's the thing he's yeah he's probably you know he's from a different era of, of football. Um, and physically as well, you, you can see that he's just—he's not really up to it anymore. Yeah, um, I think he was kind of running on adrenaline when he was played all those consecutive matches, and then as soon as that stopped, you saw a, a dip in the level of performance. Um, but as I was saying about Larice, I think as, for as long as I've been supporting Tottenham as well, we've never really had any captains of the you know the, the John Terry mould where they're heard more than they're seen. Um, the ones that obviously stick out for me are Ledley King and, and Michael Dawson of, of late as, as the people who've won the armband probably the best. And both of those don't tend to be shouty blokes. I mean, Ledley especially just, he let 
by example, he showed what to do. He he behaved in a manner befitting of a captain. And I think Hugo Lloris does the same. I mean, there's videos of him with France, um, with the national squad and with Lyon. And he's quite clearly well-liked behind the scenes. He's quite clearly a big figure and a big inspiration to players there because he's, he's just such he goes, a... He goes absolutely apeshit in one of the Lyon videos. I don't know if you've seen it. They've I think they've... They ship two late goals. They're winning two nil, and they they end up drawing two two. And there's a there's a video of him going absolutely potty in the changing room at the players about it, just yeah, shouting at them, saying yeah, we're a fucking joke. This is complete disgrace. Blah 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 blah. So it, it, it's something that you wouldn't expect so much from Hugo. But off the pitch, I think he is still a bit of a a bit of a demon. Um, yeah, which is probably good. Yeah, uh, and um, as I say, I'd be quite happy to see him take that rolled up. Um, I don't see any any reason why you should be worried at having the best player as your goalkeeper. I think it puts us in a, a fairly strong position with so many teams, so many teams this season not sure of who the number one is. Um, there's there's no real doubt at our place who's who's going to be there and who's the man to look to on the big occasion. And I couldn't I couldn't really be happier with with what we've got to pick from. Um, I think the signing of Michelle Vorm is, is probably one of the most astute signings we've made for quite a few seasons. I, I cannot Something. understand the indignation around that at all. Have it, having two decent keepers, um, well, three if you count Friedel as well, but having one kind of saleable, clear backup that's still kind of able to operate at the top level is surely only, only good business. Yeah, I think Friedel's going to be... Um, going to be shifted along and made into more of a coach and a and an old head around the place rather than an actual playing figure anymore. He might get the odd game here and there in the very early stages of the Carlin Cup or something. But um, the amount of football that we should be aiming to play across four different competitions, and their four competitions we should be looking to get to the the very end of in reality if, um, if that's our ambition. Um, having two top-class goalkeepers means that when we rotate and we bring in Michel Vaughan for the cup competitions and perhaps even Europe if if Hugo's happy with that because in the past he's not been particularly amused about being left out of European nights. Um it's it's you know, it's it's a good position for us to be in. I'd rather have two top class goalkeepers than than just one and then a, a massive drop in quality if God forbid anything should ever happen to Hugo. Um and I th- one of the most important things about the two as well is that we've bought stylistically somebody who's who's much more uh, of the same ilk as Hugo Lloris than, than Brad Friedel ever was as well. So it's not going to be too much of a, a, a shift for the defence and for the style of our defence when the goalkeeper is changed. So it's a, it's a good position for us to be and we've not spent that much money on it. There's actually um, a little bit of uh, controversy around that signing at the moment not from our end thankfully but um, Utrecht who he signed for, from, for, for Swansea from um, a few seasons ago um, had a 30% um, sell-on clause on him um, and it looks to me from the outside looking in and obviously this is just before Swansea try and sue me or something like that this is just me speculating but it sounds like Swansea have tried to pull a fast one um, in the uh, it's been reported that we signed uh, him for three and a half, four million pounds, but they're telling Utrecht that he they let him go for nothing. So it's almost as if they're they're trying to shift the uh, the Sigurdsson swap deal and say it was him, so they avoid paying thirty 
enter that, that money on. But uh, Utrecht have reported them to FIFA, so that'll be a quite interesting little side story for us to see this season. Um, well, you say interesting, but, you know. <laughs> um, I'm only winding you up. That is quite interesting. Um, have, has anyone stood out for you in this pre-season, mate? I mean, I... I to be honest, I hate kind of focusing too much on pre-season and who's played well and who hasn't because David Bentley, after all, looks absolutely incredible in a pre-season. Um, just a few years back and we all know how that ended up. Um, but I mean, what, what's what stood out for you in particular um, about kind of the way Pochettino's set, set the team out to play and the sort of results we've picked up? Well, I think the first thing that stands out to me as you look at the actual results. Um, it went three all, and then it went three two. We won, and then we kept three clean sheets. So he's obviously worked quite heavily on the defence in those times. We've had no problem scoring goals, um, which is nice. Um, hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. But he's just looking at it from the outside, looking in, the only, the only pattern you can really glean from it is that the defence has been something that has markedly improved. Um, the teams may have got slightly worse. I think Schalke were actually quite good on on the weekend. They weren't as bad as, say, Celtic were when they turned up with a, a team of, of nobody, anybody had really heard of before. And we, like, wasn't there literally like one first-team player in the whole squad or something? Something like that, yeah. We, we quite happily put them to bed quite emphatically, which is always good to see. But, I mean, the thing I would refer back to when somebody has a, an undefeated pre-season, as, as Pochettino has done, and there's been quite a lot made of it, is that, that season that Ramos was in charge, 2008-2009, uh, he played eight pre-season games. He won them 8-0, 4-2, 1-0, he drew, 5-1, 5-1, 2-0, 3-0, 5-0. We went into that season, as you say, and David Bentley thinking he was the greatest fifteen million pound signing we'd ever made. Uh Modric was was really a, a bit part player that we we didn't really know what we'd got hold of. Um Gareth Bale was in and out of the side. Um we thought that Darren Bent was gonna finally have his big breakout year and uh none of that came to pass. We got as Harry Redknapp will quite happily tell you, we've got two points in eight games. Um, so pre-season is, is no barometer whatsoever for for the success that is to come in this season. I think that same year that that we did that, um, Chelsea got hammered in just about every single one of their pre-season games and not even by small amounts, properly turned over. And um, they went on to, I think they won the first eight games of the season by huge amounts setting records left right and centre so 
it's not something I tend to look at. The results really don't matter in pre-season. It's about fitness and implementing tactics. And we, we do look quite fit. I think he's, he's, he's training, he's triple training and whatnot on walking over hot coals and whatever it is he does. Um, seems to be paying off. The, uh, the players are all saying the right things. There's thankfully been no stories in the press as there were with AVB where, if you cast your mind back, they were saying that he'd overworked the players and whatnot. I think that's that's just the the difference of Pochettino having been a an overwhelming success at his previous club, whereas they had the uh, bit between their teeth with AVB at Chelsea to to kind of tar him with the same brush. He, we, we've got away lightly there, to be honest, and um, hopefully they, they, they remain favourable. I think what I quite like about Pochettino, um, and I think what encourages me. Um, even though we have a kind of lack of signings, as it were, at the moment, is that we we do have a base um, in terms of the players that we do have and the squad available to us that can see him actually implement his his kind of style um, and set up a similar system to as what he had at Southampton. So if you look at kind of the likes of Townsend, um, although, you know, it's not your, your kind of ideal player, and I know you, you're not a particular fan of Andros Townsend, he is still the type of player that can work within Pochettino's system. So if we are having this kind of overhaul, again, Danny Rose is another one. You have players like Sandro Capu, Dembele, which I know people still have their respective doubts over, um, but all of them still, you know, it's not like you, you would be shoehorning any of those players into the kind of way that Pochettino plays, because it is essentially fairly similar to how Andre Villas-Boas wanted the team to be set up, um, just kind of implemented in a slightly different way. And I mean, if if we can, I think, demonstrate that, you know, or if at least Pochettino can demonstrate that he can get this system working cohesively and clearly and that his vision is translated to the pitch, when it does come to the point that Levy might say here's 20, 30 million to spunk on a few players they can kind of transition into the team more seamlessly than now as to whether you know we're making new signings and we're having to blood new players as well as blood an entire new system. I think in a way for me it's quite encouraging that we've plugged a few gaps, you know, we've brought in a defender, brought in a goalkeeper that we needed to, addressed kind of the wing back situation which we've really needed to do. Ideally, you know, we'd get another right back in there. Um but aside from that, we still do have a, a decent squad of players, more than decent squad of players, that can all play within this manager's system. And if he can, you know, like I say, get that going, then we should be kind of, you know, if we are approaching this with a kind of long-scale thinking attitude, should be in a decent place to, to, to realise that in three, four seasons' time when whoever, whatever young players we bring through the academy or whatever young players we sign or whatever superstars we sign in future work within this kind of system that he did seem to, you know, have moderate amounts of success with at Southampton. Um, I think, like, you know, one of the only concerns, again, was his... The way in which he kind of covered for the loss of his, his kind of midfield enforcers... Because, I mean, I, I don't see a signing Schneiderlin personally, do you? I, I can't really see that one happening. Uh, no, I think if it were to happen, it'd be happening very late in the day in terms of when the transfer window is going to be closing. Um, I can, he, he's made a lot of... Um, he, he's played the game, essentially. Both clubs have with that transfer. It's, they've done the transfer request and whatnot and the, the speaking out event against the club on Twitter. So... If it's going to happen, it'll happen at some point. But at 
well, essentially it's, it's rather than it being a transfer now, it's it's a large PR exercise on on behalf of both clubs. Dare I say it, much like with Martinho, you could even see it being like the sort of thing where someone like, uh, you know, just for example, if you know if they lose Pogba, someone like a Juventus comes in and swoops them up, or Monaco, or you know. PSG probably not so much, but you know, an, another club like that just comes in last minute and says, right, here's your 25 mil, you know, fuck it off while we're haggling over, do we give them 17 or 18 million? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, um, very, very possibly. Um, I think my concern with Shadlin is the fact that he'd be coming into a system, um, not a system, sorry, a, a position in the squad where we've got two, two players who've, who've done really well. I think Capu's been one of the Success stories of pre-season. Um, I often said last year, towards the end of the year, when people had written him off, that he started the season with us extremely well, and I mean, it's in that, and he's done so again. Um, essentially, well, I mean, when we, he's fit. Yeah, we we only saw like drizzles of him last season, didn't we? But it seems to be solidifying a bit more. It's taking a bit more shape. His uh, his form. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've. I've got much more to, to add to the pun. I think I kapooed myself out last season, but um, you've never with Sandro, yourself out. Right? Come on, <laughs> with, with with Sandro and as well uh, with the quite strong talk of him going. Um, there was a uh, element of people always thinking the grass is greener and people just wanting new shiny shiny during the transfer window when Schneiderlin was um, was talked about compared to Sandro. And I think he's such a good player when he came on the other day. And that friendly and just did what he does, you know, breaking up the opposition to play, playing it simple. There's not much more you need from a player in that role. Obviously, he wants more progressive passing, and that's something. If he's if he's the coach that improves players, as we've been told, he is. Sandro's got more than enough ability to be able to play a pass if he's taught how to, and shown what the what the prerogative is once he's got the ball and how he's supposed to transition. With the speed he's supposed to and where he should be distributing, so it's something that he's he's more than capable of doing. If, if it means that we save twenty million pounds and, and manage to keep him and make him into a Schneiderlin type player, then then so be it. I mean, the same can be said of of the J Rodriguez um, link as well, because there was a talk where most people had thought it'd been done that you know they were steps away from being unveiled um in a in a double deal and it looks like neither will be will be coming now but if you, you know, we've got Harry Kane who could quite possibly again be trained and be manipulated into becoming a similar sort of player as Jay Rodriguez I mean not exactly the same because they're, they're slightly different in what they do but if if we've hired a man on, on the merit of being able to, to train players and, and mould them into his system, then let's give him the opportunity to do that rather than trying to find the easy way out in terms of signings because I'm quite happy that our level of business has been quite low this season because I'm of the opinion that the seven players that we brought in last season and the existing squad that we had don't need changing too much. I'd, I'd said quite quite firmly that all seven we'd brought in last season, I'd want to have another full season at the very least at the club in order to give them a chance because last season at Tottenham Hotspur was not an environment for anybody to, to find success in. I mean, I think the only person that was scoring was Nasser Chadley and that wasn't even on the pitch. So it's it's not really a, a great situation for somebody new to come into. Um, so I'd, I'd be very very wary of, of trying to replicate the amount of signings we did last season and 
and I'm quite happy with the the sensible nature of how we've how we've conducted business this year. Let's go on to some of the questions that we've had from our ever um, adorning um, audience. Let's have a little look here. We've had one from Howitzer Coys, who says, "What centre back pairing would you start?" I think um, for me, it's Vertonghen and I guess I guess Kabul really, if if he's fit. Yeah, I think that that'd be it, really, won't it? I mean, there's no looking past that as long as it's not Dawson. I don't think Kirikesh is fit, and I don't think there's anybody else who's going to be there. Um, I don't think Dier is going to be starting straight away, although he did look fairly impressive. Um, I think he'd, he'll be one that will be played in more in the cup competitions for this season, I believe. So probably um, we've had one from Senor Senor Vivo twenty six um, who asks. The last friendly featured Holtby and Bentaleb for most of the game. Do you think this has any significance in that for the West Ham line? Any okay? Any significance in that for the West Ham lineup? Um, not necessarily, because I think Mason and Capu had been injured, um, and they were the ones who might be starting. Sandra came on, looked quite fit. So he again could play his way into it. Um, I think a centre back pairing of perhaps even not centre back pairing, a centre midfield pairing in that, in that first band in midfield of Sandra and Bentaleb could be quite good. Um, it's, it's entirely dependent on how Pochettino picks on the day. To be honest, I, th- I think he's he's um, rotated the squad and, and kind of not really shown his hand at all um, so far. And to be honest, I, I don't think with a new coach until around Christmas we're going to be seeing who he thinks is his ideal 11 he's going to be trying out all sorts of different partnerships out and and seeing who works better in which positions and, and messing about with the formation and tinkering with things a little bit first so um that's that's um that would be my guess i don't think we're gonna we're gonna know exactly who's nailed on to play where uh, until a few months down line at the very least I believe which to be honest isn't a bad thing um, as long as he, he, he makes his mind up at some point um, I mean Ryan Mason just to go back to him it, 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 he's actually he's a lot older than I thought he was that's why I was going to start off with he's 23 um, and he has been a player that was he was widely lauded when he was a lot younger um, and I think he's had quite a, a, a number of kind of fairly significant injuries that have probably held him back quite a bit but I know that Windy Mr Windy Coys um, for one has really really always banged the Ryan Mason drum much more so than he has even Tom Carroll um, I mean it, it, there's there's a lot of talk that Pochettino might be seeing him as the new Ward Prowse, as it were, his Ward Prowse within Tottenham. Um, it would be great to see kind of a, one of the one of the youngsters again um, get promoted through the team. Yeah, we had Bentaleb last year, who is, you know, I think we can safely say, is a firmly established first team player now. Um, it'd be nice to see if we if we do incorporate Ryan Mason a lot more because. I, I, if my understanding is correct, he kind of operates in that number 10 kind of role, doesn't he? Similar to sort of Christian Eriksen? He had done previously, um, as far as I'm aware. I think he's he's been dropped back further, so I think he's um, he's come back and he kind of occupies a similar sort of place that um, Tom Carroll would. Um, I think the the sort of encouragement 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 a word? Um, I think so. The, the encouragement that we've seen from word. him. It's definitely a word. Yeah. During the, it just didn't sound right. Um, from him in his performances in preseason, is it's no bad thing whatsoever. But um, I think in terms of squad selection, it's 
it's best not to try and, you know, run before we can walk because bear in mind that Pochettino is yet to see too much of um, them. Leo Polino and they're, they're the sorts of players that are more likely to be playing as time goes on. So um, these younger lads are going to have to have to really prove themselves if they're going to displace these these you know proper professional players who've just come back from a World Cup. So they're being eased in and they're being being given the time to, to kind of find the fitness and, and not be overworked, which again is a good thing. So I think in, in the short term, perhaps they could play one or two games just to allow the World Cup lads an extra week or two to, to find their legs. But after that, um, I think they, they might be might be finding their opportunities limited once again and, and could be, you know, Carling Cup and Europa League type um, opportunities for them going forward. And it's it's their decision whether or not they're going to take those, those uh, chances seriously and, and kind of mount a place for the first team in those. Or they can do as many other youth players have done this season and go down the leagues and, and prove themselves there. You know, I I think like I, because I don't have my uh, deluded hope of top four. What's that? I mean, I genuinely one hundred percent this year. I have I would say zero point zero one percent of a hope or just actual inkling that we will finish in the top four. I genuinely I see this as kind of Tottenham of like ten years ago now, where I just don't think top four is at all something that's going to happen um but my one bit of kind of i guess muggy expectate not expectation but hope this year is that i i just have a feeling that harry kane's going to be quite good i think he's going to be pretty decent i don't think he's going to set the world alight i don't think he's going to be like our new gareth bale or anything but i i think he's going to be a lad that's going to probably kind of score a few goals for us this year and hopefully give us a little kind of something that maybe a few other players don't have because I'm going to be honest like I, I've I've started off by deriding him um, as I'm sure he's spoken about in the past but he yeah he has really impressed me like the tail end of last season and again kind of the way he's conducted himself in pre-season this year he, he looks like a fairly kind of talented little footballer and when you see um, what Pochettino got out of a player like Lambert you do have to kind of have hope for a player like Harry Kane, I think. Especially given the fact that there were quite strong indications last season that Pochettino had bid for him at Southampton uh, when Jay Rodriguez got injured in January and he was trying to bring him to the club. So he's obviously a player that he's seen something previously um, and he's used him a fair bit in pre-season. So it's, um, I'm quite happy with him being our third-choice striker, to be honest. I think there's there's no real better option for that position. Um, he's, he's kind of proved himself now. I think the one thing that I always... I always mention when people bring up the fact that he's been a, a goal scorer in the Premier League is the fact that the teams he scored against in the Premier League last season were the at the times he scored against them quite possibly the worst teams in the league. So they weren't maybe the uh, the level of opposition he should be looking to try and score against this year. But um, you, you've got to start somewhere. He's um, he's he's. He was a victim of he's, he was sold wrong to us in the in the first place in that people who'd not seen him previously, which is ninety five percent of us that don't really have any, any access to the youth team. Um, Harry Redknapp gave us this this gormless look and tall lad and stuck him up top on his own, and we we thought we just had a you know run in the mill target man, and he was he's much more than that. He, he plays much deeper, and he's he's got much more intricacy to his game, and he's he's much more intelligent. Um, I was I was talking on Twitter about this earlier to somebody because there's um, apparently a, a bid in place or 
to be in place from QPR to, to sign Andros Townsend for around £10 million. And um, my suggestion was that we, we allow them to have him um, in return for Loic Remy and, and £2 million on top or something like that. And somebody replied to me and said they would much rather it be Harry Kane that went. And uh, <laughs> just for his age and, and in the comparison between the two, Harry Kane's got much more intelligence and understanding for the game in his little tour than Andros Townsend as far as I'm com- concerned. Um, Which is funny because if you, if you actually see Harry Kane in interviews and just see him talk in general, you wouldn't, <laughs> you wouldn't really use the word intelligence at all with him, would you? He's, he does no, he's, like such a gormless lad. Yeah, he's, he's not articulate whatsoever. I think that actually does play against him, to be honest. I think people do kind of go against him just because he... Does seem like a fairly wooden character, and you know the other. We've, we've said it previously. The other lads that have been in Spurs squads with him have openly take the piss out of him and say that he's boring. And he just seems like one of those, you know, head down sort of fellows. But you know what? If he's a professional footballer, there's there's no reason for him to be anything else. Um, so kind of um, being against him just because he's not the biggest personality in the world isn't isn't the best way of evaluating what he's going to be like as a player I mean probably the best example of that is Paul Scholes and although I know now he's taking every media opportunity he can get his hands on previously he would he would hardly ever say more than two words to the press and he'd, he'd let what he did out on the pitch do do the talking as it were and given that he's just a, a normal man from Oldham that's probably the best thing for him Harry Kane I like him I think he's alright I think he's a he's good lad salt of the earth um, could be our next Teddy Sheringham, as people like to say. Let's not do that. Um, we've got one here from the the ever popular Mr. Callum Hames. He's quite a divisive figure on uh, on old Twitter, um, but he asked a fairly decent question here. Well, it's actually a very good question. Um, can you see us getting found out by the better teams with our high pressure game? Um, players appear to tire towards the end of games um it's all about fitness really so as long as um they're trained properly and they're uh they're concentrating for the full 90 minutes it shouldn't be the um shouldn't be the way um teams across europe um are known for it keeping it up more than one season is is often a, a concern um i think atleti played that way last season in, in la liga and people didn't think they'd be able to to make it for the full year playing in that sort of manner, Dortmund previously have um, had success in a similar sort of uh, ideology. So it's, it's, as long as it's implemented, correct, implemented sorry, correctly, then um, I've got no concerns that it it can work for 90 minutes at a time. It's just uh, making sure the players are fit enough to, to implement it. I mean, if you're comparing Southampton to Tottenham as, as one and the other in the same same system, it's worth reminding that we beat them last season twice with, you know, not the not the best manager in charge and it, that was purely down to the, the strength of squad alone so if, if you take the strength of squad and you apply it to a better manager um, hopefully you should you should see that come uh, come much more uh, fruitful for him I think we have a we have a pretty athletic squad as well I think that's one thing I will will give a lot of our players yeah and we've had nobody break down too much in pre-season which is often a concern if they've, they've been trained quite heavily and what not for Carl Walker which is a massive shame. Yeah, um, it is, because it means we're going to have to play Carl Norton, and <laughs> that's, that's a position nobody wants to be in. It's quite a repugnant thought, that, isn't it? 
Yeah, it terrifies me. Well, let's see. Uh, let's see if the lad can come good, but I don't hold much hope. But anyway, yeah, as I'm sure you can tell by now, we are just rambling amongst one another. As you know, as the ever reliable West Ham lot are, we couldn't get anyone in time. I think it's a bit harsh to blame them. We we've had a shower of shit in getting ourselves organised, but still, um, I like to take the opportunity to say fuck Sam Dis um, because he he couldn't make the time for us. Which is a shame, but uh, we'll have a. To be fair, look. he probably is at work during the day. Well, do we record this? So it's, it's understandable. I'm I'm there. That's probably not good, is it? No. Um, I just hope my boss isn't listening. Um, let's have a little West Ham preview, shall we? Can do. Yeah. How do you think we're going to do? Do you think we'll beat him? I think we're going to lose again. To be honest, I actually do. <laughs> Which is annoying. No, I think uh, I think it's going to be very narrow, but I think we'll win one, one or two nil. I think West Ham are, are, are much worse off than they were last season when they beat us. Um, I think they've had a quite depressing summer. Um, I think they've even fallen further out of with Allardyce, and I think they're going to have a, a fairly poor start to the year as far as as far as I can I can kind of predict. So I'd hope we can we can start the season positively and win that one I think worst case scenario we'll draw but I, I really can't see us losing that one Can you know why, why just on on that on that merit you think there's too much buoyancy but, oh, we say that mate but they they didn't even have a striker last last time at White Hart Lane they beat us what was it 3-0 Ravel Morrison played like he was Cristiano Ronaldo while he's not in between you know beating up women and threatening to throw acid at them um uh, the West Ham game, we, we conceded one and then we capitulated. Um, so it's that was a just strange, strange game in itself. Um, so I, I, I honestly, I, I can't see us losing. Um, it's it's just one of those situations where I can't see them picking themselves up to a level where they'll be able to. I think their, their fans will be well up for it, but I think um, I think Pochettino is going to have them wanting to win this one. I think perhaps having a level of player there that know they're fighting for a place in the team going forward to know that they've lost three times previously the amount of times that our players have even recognised the fact that West Ham did it to us three times with the pride in themselves should make them want to win that game and I think that should be enough to to see us take uh, take three points home hopefully because um, as I say that West Ham have been linked with Peter Crouch this summer that's, that's how low they've got um, so I can't I, just, I can't see us losing. If we do lose, then um, I won't be impressed. Pochettino um, out. Yeah, that's, that's the way, isn't it? Yeah, get rid of him now. Done already. Um, so, yeah, that's well, that's the West Ham preview. Done. <laughs> Welcome to Rule the Roost. Um, that's been a, a pretty shocking first episode of the season, hasn't it, mate? Let's be honest. Let's just... Let's have a look at ourselves now, or a word of ourselves at least. Hasn't been great, has it? Well, we'll um, we'll um, we'll grow into the season, uh, as as is the phrase. Um, I think what we're going to do now is um, we're going to record some some predictions, aren't we? And then what we're going to do is we're going to take those predictions and we're going to drop them into the last episode of the season. So what we've got like ten questions that I hastily wrote before we came on and we're just going to kind of bash them out and then towards the end of the year 
after the season's finished, we'll kind of we'll laugh at ourselves um, for being so wrong. So, we'll let you know. Let, we'll tell you now what the questions are, but we just don't tell you what the answers are. Just we don't keep you in suspense for a whole season. We're gonna we're gonna ask one another. Where will we finish? Player of the season. Will we win a cup? Most improved player. Most disappointing player. Top scorer. Will we announce new stadium? Most important signing. Will Pochettino last the season? Will we be happy at the end of the season? That's that's what we're going to discuss next. Um, but you'll hear that at the end of the year. I think that's it, isn't it, mate? Yep. What, what a shower of shit. Thank you for listening. Good to be back. Yeah, it's we'll, we'll get better. We promise. We're just chronically underprepared and yeah, tired. <laughs> tired of life. New new season, isn't it? Once more into the breach. That's it. Once more into the breach, and uh, I'm a bit sad about Robin Williams as well, to be honest. Yeah, which uh, which Shakespeare plays that from? Yeah. Um, I don't know, mate. Actually, I'm not sure. It's Henry the Fifth, isn't it? Oh, no, I didn't, I didn't know that. Um, so there we go. Yob. Um, let's stop procrastinating. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 